Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money. We like that. All in one place for totally free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your cellular telephone or your computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else, those other places that podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify, and when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&As and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free. Zero catch. We've been using it ever since we started How Long Gone. And ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like having the option of turning off the Q&As and the polls on the user dashboard (laughs) has really helped uh, boost my creativity and take it to another level. I highly recommend giving it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Hello. Big TJ, what's good, baby? Big TJ is, um, you know, just hot off another workout. More damn cold it. brew. The saga continues. Damn, it really, damn, shit really do stay the same. I got my big body cross, you know, shout out to Cross Rope for sending me a expensive jump rope that weighs a lot. It is really knocking knocking the dust off of my pussy hard body. So what's the deal with this shit? It just it's just it's weighted so it's harder. It's weighted so it's harder and also it has like an app that you can use where it tracks your stuff. It it'll, it'll track how many how many spins you do somehow. There's like sensors in the handle or some shit. Damn, it's just like DJing. It's just like DJing and you can you know, <laughs> Uh, but I'm not used to like a heavy weighted rope and it is, it is challenging, but you know, that seems like, that seems like the kind of thing where it doesn't have to be that much weight to make a big difference. No, two, the, the, the rope and the handles are, you know, the whole weight is under five pounds probably. And, you know, doing it for 60 seconds, I, I get like winded I get fucked up. Damn. Yeah. You'd probably like it, Chris. I love advancements in TJ's workout. I mean, I, um, I, it's, it's hot here now. Hmm. It's fucking, it's fucking 86 degrees as we speak. Uh, Fahrenheit or Celsius? I, I only speak in Fahrenheit because I'm a Luddite American. So um, you're, so you're out here wearing shorts now. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, I worked out outside today with the kettlebell and it was fucking brutal, like dripping sweat at did, like did 10 a.m. Did you TJ's kettlebell workout? Uh, I do that video. Mm. I like I like being led a little more. It's I I still just I think the counting and stuff helps me. Mm-hmm. Like zonk out a little, you know what I mean? Not have to like be so aware of what I'm doing. Sure, zonk me. Yeah, zonk that's a great workout, man. I love it. And um, so you're wearing you're wearing shorts. It's hot as hell. I you are able to get a good sock to pair well with the. Um, the Ben and Jerry's SBs. Uh, yeah, I saw your little joke, TJ. I saw you try to get a little joke off about me copping the chunky donkeys. What do you I, mean, joke? And I just want to say, well, I mean, look, you're you're lucky 
you and everybody else in my life is lucky. I don't know how to use Photoshop because mm. I, I have the ideas, but unfortunately, I don't have the know-how. You have some good ideas and the know-how, so you're able to roast me with a a form that looks like I lost a raffle for the chunky donkey. <laughs> uh, I will in, instead of that. I will just. I will just receive the thank you for not posting it on Twitter and only posting it on my Instagram stories. I, I did give you that. I mean, I think I've been pretty vocal about how I feel about the Chunky Dunky, but I also, I mean, you know. But you're also an entrepreneur, good. even though you, I, you know, it's it's possible for you to invest, in, you know, buy shares in a company that you don't believe in or, or even enjoy as exactly. simply as an investment. Exactly. I would I would absolutely invest in those and flip them. And you know those chunkies are hitting. The the chunkies are hitting. I don't even know. I mean we could, we should check StockX right now, see how much the chunkies are. I saw I saw somebody post something that was at four racks. No. But that could be that could be false. No, nah, I believe it, dude. That's like that's the level this shit is at, fam. Damn, I was Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> is it no, is it four? I, I, yeah. Ugh. We yeah. were uh, we were driving in Little Tokyo yesterday, hitting the the Japanese market, and there was there's like a, a sneaker store of some kind. It, it, it's like a fake flight club type of place, and there was just a line of bros. Noon on a Monday, Memorial Day, you know, eighty degrees, perfect outdoor barbecue weather, and just a line of dudes doing curbside sneaker pickup. I mean, just, that's way cooler than barbecuing, dude. Come on. No, it is not. Just, just, <laughs> just alone wearing your fucking like sweat, like Jordan sweat shorts, you know, wearing the worst fit of all time, but like brand new crispy shoes that cost more than your car. And then that's just your life. I mean, come on, bro. If you want, if you, if you want to disparage these young entrepreneurs, um, well, that's, that's the thing. These you. people are older than older than we are. These are grown no, grown men. I know. I mean, I I guess that the from my understanding, and I'm sure some fucking listener will let me know I'm wrong, but the 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 resale thing at this point only really works with sneakers and like very special items. Like the the era of like everything Supreme made just selling for double what it costs is over. Mm, what do you think that is? Do do you think I, that I think Supreme tried to combat it by making their clothes more like fucked up and ugly and weird on purpose to curtail all the basics who were buying it all up? Maybe they could be also just making more quantities. You know what I mean? Like actually making more, mm-hmm. so it's like if you can get it. I mean, but it's also like if you're. I mean, I don't know if if Mr. Carlisle if can, said we got to re up. Exactly. If you if you're gonna sell something and make twenty percent on a T-shirt, is it worth standing in line for? I don't even know if it's worth buying mm. online. It's a good point. Like well, fuck that. Like, you're making ten ten dollars. Like that's less whack, bro. Yeah, but you get to first. You get to make ten dollars off of that, but you also get to have something. You know, you get content. Well, that's true, and it's a community. I think we're forgetting about that <laughs> portion of it because people, that people is people will pay money just to be like, all right, here I am. That really is part of it. Like Next I've seen line. these dor- I've seen these dorks like say that verbatim. Like, oh, it's the community, like the line, like you don't get, you know what I mean? And I'm I'm like, I, I don't I'm sure bowling is a community too, but I'm all set on that. Like <laughs> it is a community and it's a community, you know, it's just like like video games. You know, you you get to sit on a chat room with other people who know about this stuff, and then you get to say funny things about it. 
I mean, I guess that's what we, I guess that's what this podcast is about. Other that's stuff. What, yeah, that's what you and I have been doing our whole lives, except it was on, you know. Damn. So this is basically, a, this is, this is basically a Twitch stream now, I guess. It, I mean, if we want to monetize, yeah. I mean, uh, we do want to monetize, right? Yeah, that's a goal. That's a goal of mine. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll download Twitch then to figure out how it works. You know? Just the thought of, out of the two of us, you being the one who, who goes down that journey. I mean, wait till I wait till I pull up on you with some knowledge. Maybe I should have used this quarantine time more wisely to learn a skill like I promised I would at the beginning. Like Twitch? I mean, not yeah, Twitch. If, if but you maybe- became like a coder. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, that would be really cool. I could take Carly Kloss's online class. You know, does she have an something. online class for coding? No, I, no, I, but she's a, a known proponent of like women in code. I guess it would be called a Kloss. Yes, it would. Yes, we're yes. just getting these you, jokes out. Um, well, we we got to get our jokes ready for our for our guest today. <laughs> yes, our our guest today is the host of a comedy podcast. Um, called Good One. That's what it's called, right? Yes, it is the. Um, it is the Jesse uh, David Vo- Fox is his name. Yeah, it's called Good One Podcast. Uh, it's Vulture, New York Magazine affiliate. He's also a senior editor at Vulture. Um, so I guess he just gets these comedians on. And they explain a joke to him in detail, which is um, really wild to me. It's a real, you know, it's a comedy nerds podcast for sure. If you want to, you know, you want the behind the scenes, you know, it's the equivalent of, you know, making, making the band, making the album or whatever. But instead of it being, you know, Fleetwood Mac rumors, it's Seinfeld talking about what's the deal. Well, I'd like to ask him what he thinks about the rumor I heard today that Azalea Banks had sex with uh, Dave Chappelle. I would if if I was Dave Chappelle, I would smash just just to see what it's like. Yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty sure he did. I mean, I, I that sounds believable. But that's going to be some voodoo pussy. It's going to fuck your life up. Damn, well put, TJ. Always a poet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You so, definitely. but he, I mean, but Jesse, uh, you know, his podcast just today um, has has the the oh hello guys on it, John Mulaney and Nick Kroll. But you know, he's had the- everyone from Seinfeld to Sinbad. It's true. I mean, the, oh, oh, hello is probably the only two comedians I like, so I, I would love <laughs> to get into that. Nick, K- Kroll is truly the god. The Kroll show, I mean, we've talked about it for years. It's It was ahead of its time. I don't know why it stopped. Did he just stop it to stop it? Um. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess. Maybe he, you know, he wanted to be on to brighter pastures. You know, he maybe he thought he was going to get these movies off or something like that. Yeah, that didn't work out. Um. All right, well, let's... uh. <laughs> Let's 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 call Jesse. <laughs> okay, let's call Jesse. All right, let him. All right, Jason. I want to talk to you about uh, David Smith. Uh, he's got a new show opening at Hauser and Worth in New York at the Twenty Second Street location. Uh, if you're not familiar with David, uh, he is one of the most influential, innovative artists of the 20th century. Mostly known for sculpture, but this guy was doing his best work in the last five years of his life, which is. Uh, <laughs> Kind of what I'm hoping for myself. <laughs> and just to be clear, his best work was done back in the 60s. It's important to note when, when he did pass away. It is away. important to know, but the sculptures are very interesting. They're cool. Show closes April 13th. No one thing. David Smith, late sculptures at Hauser and Worth 22nd Street Gallery. Seven of the artist's most important sculptures 
from the very final years. These are very important sculptures from his final years, and as much as you want to touch them, they are look, but do not. Mm-hmm. Don't make us look bad uh, is kind of is kind of what we're saying. Don't go in there and start knocking stuff over. <laughs> uh, David Smith uh, is now open at Hauser & Worth in New York at the 22nd Street location, and it closes on... April 13th. Got it. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. Jason, hair thinning impacts a lot of us. Uh, In fact, over half of us will experience hair thinning at some point in our lives. It's not only common. Jason, it's normal. Mm -hmm. So I think it's time to join the over 1 million people who are doing something about it thanks to Nutrafol. Hair thinning is complicated, uh, and the problem is it's actually much bigger than your hair alone. Like your skin, hair is a reflection of your health, mm. um, which if that's the case, Jason, then you're in top physical condition. Uh, <laughs> internal factors can impact the way your hair looks, feels, and grows. Nutrafol's whole body approach multi-targets underlying root causes like stress, hormone fluctuations, and nutrient gaps for visibly Thicker, you know I like them thick, stronger hair. It's all connected, your body. It's all connected. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code HOWLONG. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N U T. R-A-F-O-L dot com, promo code how long. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code how long. This episode of How Long Gone is brought to you by Booking.com. That is Booking dot, yeah. Booking.com offers so many possibilities across the U.S. Uh, from relaxing beach resorts, which you know I, I love and I'm a big fan of, love to bake in the sun, to remote mountain cabins, we can go up there and work on your kind of acoustic album. Mm. The multitude of choices across the beautiful United States of America on Booking.com allow you to book whoever you want to be. I, Jason, you know me. I, I'm a different version of myself depending on where I'm traveling and who I'm with. You know, I mean, it's always baseline. Oh wow, it's baseline, Chris. Diva alert. It's baseline, Chris. But when I'm in Australia, it's different. But in the U.S., if I go to Florida, if I go to Georgia, if I go to California, if I go to Wyoming, you know, I, I'm going to switch up my swag a little bit. Oof, I can only imagine. I I just recently used Booking.com to take a little uh, post V-Day trip up into wine country, mm. and I can't wait to see who I will be when I am there. So book whoever you want to be on Booking.com. Booking dot yeah. What up? Hello. Yo. How you living? How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. This is weird. You know. Um, podcasting with somebody who has a very podcast voice. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I pod Hourglass allowed people with this sort of voice to podcast, and I. Why don't I you? Him. Why don't you describe your voice in your own words then? <laughs> Yeah, please give us give us the play by play. Well, I uh, it's like it's nasally and it's stammery, like <laughs> stammery. I don't know if that's a real word, but I like it very descriptive. Because well, I feel like broadcasters traditionally are supposed to like be low voiced and like direct and clear, and Ira has allowed it so mm-hmm. the vocabulary for podcasting host is like. Well, I guess we might have a show for you, and I and that's allowed me to thrive. 
So he he opened the doors for those with more of a virginal voice tone to yes. to prosper in this world. Mm-hmm. So I think so. Someone with like a deep bar- baritone and a slight southern drawl, like myself, we're we're just more of a throwback, you know, a, tra- a, tra- a traditional broadcaster. I I will say f- from listening, I was like, you guys have voices that like they're almost. How would I put it? I'm trying to think. It it feels almost alien to the medium. I mean, like you guys mm. are like it's like a different species has come through, and you forget that people are allowed to sound right. like when you see a really confident. hot person graduate from an Ivy League school. You're like, this person is <laughs> too hot to be a double exactly. major in blah blah blah. Exactly. Exactly. I get it. That's it. I mean, I think that I I read glass in your voice. I really like. You know, I can't deal with the daily guy. It's too much. I've actually never even listened to the daily. I was, I was going to say I haven't either. That's that I seems off brand for you, David, I, and I like that. Very off brand for you, David. I feel like you're a guy who devours knowledge. You know <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, what podcast do you listen to, Jesse? I listen to. Let me think. I listen to mostly comedy podcasts. Mm. Like so, I listen to Comedy Bang Bang Hollywood Hand Hollywood Handbook. Mm. Um, there's a the Hollywood Handbook guys have a basketball Patreon I listen to embarrassingly <laughs> called the Flagrant Ones. Damn, um, are you a, are you a hoop man? Yes, oh. and I've gotten into it more recently, and I I just like I had to do it, and it's it's I mean it's worth it. I mean for me to pay for a podcast, even though there's nine million to listen to. So is that the only one that you patronize? Yes, that's the only one I patronize. I would say, I, I mean, I've I've never listened to it, but I think Hollywood Handbook on a good day is one of the funniest podcasts ever made. It's so good. Yeah, and it just is exactly what I want to hear when I don't want to be thinking about something. And it's mm. and then the basketball, and they also say smart things about basketball that is useful to hear. You know, mm-hmm. in so much as like podcasting is like hanging out with friends, but you don't actually know them. Mm-hmm. It's it's like exactly what I was looking for, so I don't actually have to have conversations about basketball myself. Do you think that? Do you think that your listening has ramped up because basketball doesn't exist right now? Do you, like like filling I, the like, void? I mean, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm, I no. Honestly, I was thinking about it. I was like I I. It is harder to listen to because it truly is like it's harder to talk about because there's nothing to talk about. about. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you like, I feel like I was like getting out a rhythm of watching like Twitter clips of certain ESPN shows where I feel like I think the people are pretty smart. Like I think that guy, Nick Wright or whatever his name is, is pretty smart. And now you watch clips from like what ESPN debate shows are talking about now. And it is like an embarrassment. I feel so bad that these like (laughs) professional people who generally are pretty interesting have to like every day argue if Michael Jordan or LeBron James are better. Mm. And I'm I feel so bad. It's truly some lunchroom bullshit now. I agree. They, They have nothing to talk about. I mean, the coolest thing going on is like the the Asian baseball leagues with robots in the stands. That's the most yeah. interesting sports thing that's happened in a long time. We've debated the last dance on this podcast a lot because I called bullshit on it because Michael Jordan had final cut. Yeah, I mean, you, it, it, how yeah. did you feel about it as a as a b ball head? As I grew up, I'm from New York, but I grew up a Bulls fan. As people who were growing up growing up that time were allowed to do, and. I, so I watched nonstop Michael Jordan documentaries from the age of like nine to 15. So I feel like all of this is the stuff you see when you watch a Michael Jordan yeah, documentary. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I kind of liked it because it like reminded me of watching a Michael Jordan documentary, which is like totally, I didn't find it like revelatory. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, it's like clearly on the side of making Michael Jordan seem like a good, like not as bad of a guy. Like, <laughs> Let's not go as far as to say good, but not as bad. And just completely justifies. Like the whole point of the entire thing was like heavyweights the crown. If you were me, you would be an asshole too, and it's okay. And I'm like, that is a very like it's just handled in such a way where you're like, this is exactly how Michael Jordan would want it to be portrayed. Yes, and that's no, how I want Michael Jordan to portray, portray it as well. I, I mean, the world needs to, needs to have some dicks. I say, yeah. I mean, I think it's okay to be a dick when you're that good at something, and that's the reality that we, as we've talked about before, I, we'll forgive anything if you give us talent. And, and I mean, like Michael Jackson, nothing really, no one really cares. You know what I mean? It's like kind of fun yeah. because because everybody grew up with it. It's like it's kind of insane, but like. Other people, you know, it just depends. But if you've given us enough, you get a pass in this world. I do think I'm trying to think was like he the, the doc. What the documentary does is try to make it seem like to be that good, you have to be an asshole, which is a bold claim. That there's no like I understand the idea that we forgive people that are great, which is, is debatable. But like the documentary is implying that you can't be great unless you're an asshole. Like there's it's not allowed. There's no way around it. The only way to succeed is like. And I wonder if, like, I don't know, like, LeBron James seems, if anything, like, weirdly normal. Considering his life, LeBron James seems like a corny, great, talented person who, like, lives a pretty normal life and is not an asshole. And I feel like Michael Jordan tries to prove that he's better than LeBron James by weighing the scales, meaning, like, to be great, you have to be an asshole. LeBron James is not an asshole, which means he's probably not as good as I am. Like, it's like a weird... Great argument. <laughs> Great <laughs> argument. Created, Great you, argument. You created a value system that allowed for exactly his personality type to define what being great at basketball was. Maybe he's smarter than we thought. I mean, I, I mean, so maybe yeah, I'm there's also, some there's some Trump like tendencies coming out of those quotes. Big, yeah, a little bit. Big Trumpito energy. I mean, I've decided that I'm I'm too nice to be good at anything, and that's my <laughs> that's my new outlook yeah. on life. Is I can't you know I can't dominate. I'm just too friendly. You know. When does the yeah. nice start happening, Chris? <laughs> it's going to come out later. Maybe forty. I think I'll start to unveil it. Like so, this is going to be a slow rollout. Okay. Mm. So, um, thanks thanks for doing this pod. By the way, I was listening when we were talking and, and organizing the show. You had mentioned about um, our our method of recording on FaceTime, and then um, I was listening to your episode today with with the Oh Hello podcast guys, mm-hmm. and there were some there were some multiple Squadcast dropouts going on. Yes, failing Squadcast dot com, <laughs> and I and I felt I I noticed that you you mentioned there's a there's a disclaimer at the beginning of the episode saying like hey there were some dropouts blah blah blah. But then you you wanted, but you also included to mention what service that you used that was dropping out, <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like that. And then you know, a lot of people are probably going to listen to it because Oh Hello is you know a very big podcast and a big show. You know, I think Squadcast you could have put them out of business right now. Well, I, I will say two things. One, I did use Squadcast and it did drop out multiple times, and we've been using Squadcast this whole time, and. Every time there's been at least one issue, and it's just sort of like not intuitive. But the, I will say the mm-hmm. reason I mentioned Squadcast by name is, and why we didn't cut around the dropouts, is because 
every time I dropped out, they did something funny and often would do jokes about Squadcast, like they mm, did. Yeah, yeah. At one point, one point they like riffed about Squad goals, and I was like, "Well, that's funny, and I rather keep that in, but it doesn't make sense unless people know that Squadcast." Yeah, exists. that I and I, I thought you would say that, and I would probably do <laughs> the same in your situation. I would say. It was a debate, and then I was like, I own nothing to Squadcast. They have not totally worked, um, literally every episode. I feel bad because, like, who are they? They're just offering us a free platform. But, like, we, I, I recorded an episode the next day over Zoom because Squadcast wasn't working, and the person was able to record locally. And I was like, this is so much better to be able to see the person for it to feel a little bit more immediate. Mm. It's... Um, I, I I like that approach, but I think our approach, although lo-fi and also problematic sound-wise from time to time, I think because it feels like a phone call, people are a little bit disarmed. Yes. Which I, I didn't think about until we started doing it. Like, I'd never considered that before. Yeah, I think the ones I've done without seeing a person, I've only done two episodes without seeing. Mark Marin couldn't, this was pre-quarantine, I did Mark Marin, and we couldn't figure out how to do it. And he was like, I'll just call you right now. And like, we're able to hack it together. And it was, felt really intimate. And then um, Hannah Gatsby was another one who did it over the phone. And it did feel much more intimate than when you kind of see your, like, especially because you can see yourself and you're not paying attention. And it mm. like remind. I remember when I used to, the only times I've done interviews over landlines, it like straight up felt like in high school, calling high school girlfriends and being like, just like talking for hours. Like it feels so much more intimate. You forget how bad our means of communications are. Like you forget how bad like iPhones are at phone Mm -hmm. calls when you like use actual phones. Maybe we should invest in that TJ. I like that idea. That'd be cool. We should get a corded landline and we can, we can (laughs) twirl the twirl the cord through our fingers as we chat all day. And when my my mom picks up, I got to tell her to hang up. (laughs) Mom, I'm on the phone with Bay. (laughs) Just, uh, you, you seem to do a very good, you know, an impressive job at getting large names on your show. Can you give us tips on how uh, we might be able to do that as well? Sure. Yeah. I, just, uh, Jesse, just to preface this, we've been called the, um, you know, some people call us the important hipster podcast. <laughs> so that's where our brand is now. So we need if to we, branch out to a different, you know, advertising level. Where, you know, the Seinfelds of the world, the Mark Marins of the world, we need to start securing those. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you guys got Alison Roman when she was still mm. allowed to speak publicly. <laughs> so that was huge. That was huge. I mean, I, I, mean, I think it is, you know, I, I, I was able to convince people it was going to be a nice time. Is how it started, where I threw whatever means told people like hey you know it's going to be no funny business we're just going to talk about your this sounds this sounds oh. like you're trying to convince a girl to sleep with you <laughs> yeah it's going to yeah. be a nice time no this, funny business this is, this is not going to work for us we I this will. whole podcast is funny business that's the whole point that's what i'm pointing out which is like you guys are the exact opposite which is like <laughs> like i think performers like the idea that they know what to expect and even though um and that like i'll do a lot of prep and know about them and be very respectful and i think a lot of public, you know, damn lot of, that's the antithesis that, of our business model yes <laughs> and i and i think i mean a publicist would be like so what's if they ask you i imagine publicists would be like 
so what's the show like? And it's like, oh, it's freewheeling. And they're like, never mind, no way. Freewheeling? I mean, Wait, you talk to publicists? These guys have publicists? Have, oh, fuck. I've, I've talked to some publicists. <laughs> well, I guess I've talked to agents more, and we're all, everybody's friendly. You know what I mean? We're still at that point yeah. where it's like once removed. Um, but, you know, I've also just done some blind Hail Marys, and they've worked out, you know? But, but a lot of it, I would say it's 80% of people are friends of friends or actual friends. Um, but there are so, there are also plenty of podcasts that are quote unquote freewheeling. You know, <laughs> do you, I don't. You know, when you when when Elon Musk goes on Joe Rogan, you know, his publicist isn't going like, "Are you guys going to talk about marijuana?" You know, like you you you, you kind of know what you're getting, and, and some people might enjoy a freewheel. Yeah, I, I think there's the freewheeling shows book because of relationships or I have to imagine those people listen to those shows. Like I mm-hmm. have to imagine like Elon Musk is a Joe Rogan fan. Right. Like that doesn't happen by accident. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess like, like, um, like when you listen to Hollywood handbook, for example, sometimes you can tell when the guest has no <laughs> idea what's going on yes. and you can sort of see like, Oh fuck, this is going to be an hour of this. Like, and, <laughs> and it's fun to listen to. And, I don't really know where I'm going with that, but that's there can be magic in listening to a celebrity guest slowly just hate the process and then it's, drug, <laughs> it's kind of drug out and they know it and they make it even worse. Do like, you I like, do I like you, that do type of listen, destruction? Do you listen to any freewheeling podcast though? Or is freewheeling just not your shit? You're you're more of a structure queen, I could tell. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I listen to anything freewheeling. Not anymore. I think in my my you know my early days, as a, my first my foot in the door as a journalist was reviewing comedy podcasts. So I feel like I listen to sort of shit. everything. All right, money that's bags. A, that, yeah, that's a tough job, dude. You you I bet you had to hear some fucking garbage. Yes, yeah, this was Christ. also this was eight nine years ago. So this was like sort of I guess what would be considered second wave, but to many people was sort of first wave. And it was just sort of like shows pre. There's like only one network at the time. Like it was like really a lot of DIY stuff, mm-hmm. and I listened to like 15 hours of podcast a day. What? Uh, not a day. Sorry, a week. Sorry, a day would be crazy because there's only 24 hours a day. 15 hours of podcast a week is, uh, I would say, bordering on insane. That's two but, episodes of Joe Rogan, bro. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, but I guess what was even popping at that time? Like Bill Burr? I think Bill had just started. I mean, like it was like Mike and Tom Eat Snacks, that show where Michael, Ian Black, and Tom oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I ate snacks, which was like really, I guess, groundbreaking for all the food-related podcasts that happened afterwards. Um, mm-hmm. what were the big shows then? Um, that was like I mean, when you, Adam Carolla was was kind of blowing up. Yeah, I mean Adam Carolla. I mean, like WTF was like considered the big show at the time, mm-hmm. but there was like like Jordan and Jesse Go, and like there was like this show where it's like one of the I can't remember if he was. John Larroquette's son, or his name was also oh, John Larroquette. Oh, yeah, that was... Um, <laughs> no, that's that's a huge podcast still. It's it's like My Brother my brother and Me or something like no, that. No, that's another one. That's that's the McElroy brothers or whatever. But that was also around. Yeah. That was like that era. But th- right. it was these shows... It was like... I feel like it was pre when everyone... The first time where people started saying everyone had a podcast, it was like right before that happened. So it was like mm-hmm. right before like You Made It Weird and like... 
Chelsea Peretti had a podcast or whatever. Yeah. I mean, she still does. But, and all those shows still exist, but it was like... I was about to say, all those shows still exist, and they weren't making any money then, were they? No. I mean, I remember, like, because I reviewed it, I met a lot of the people who, like, founded networks, and they were just like, I don't think this is going to work. They are just like, <laughs> I think... I think podcast art is going to be, like, development for TV shows, and we're just doing this for fun and building audiences. Like, that was it. Like, as a lot of comedians just seeing it as a way to, like, have people show up when they're touring. Mm-hmm. Like, and... Yeah, a, a way to grow your audience, your social media yeah. following, blah, blah, blah. So no one expected it to make money until, like, the last, maybe, like, four years ago. Where- I, would, I would love for this to turn straight into a TV show before we make any money. To be I honest, know. if that's if that's part of the deal, sign me up. Yeah, yeah Jesse, I, is your is your connection a little weird? I feel like the reason your squad cast is dropping out is you, your Wi Fi at home might not be so hot. <laughs> In my, I mean, I don't know. I can't speak to how good it or, it is or isn't. I mean, I feel like I'm pretty close to it. I'm sitting near You're fine. the. <laughs> so is your is your your podcast is through Vulture, correct? Through Vulture. So then, then you, so then your, I guess, like business model for income for that is just they give you money for that. You're, you're not like <laughs> you're not like handling the business side of things, or is no. it like fully your baby type of thing? No, it's part. I mean, like I, the finance for me on my end is like I am an employee of Vulture, so they mm-hmm. pay me my salary to work there, and included in that is the podcast. I mean, when it first started, and we're doing like fifteen episodes a year or whatever, it was. We found a way to get the first season underwritten by the TV show Crashing, um, which was like... Damn, your, your boy Pete dipping into his pocket, the deep HBO know. pockets. Like, literally, it was... There was no idea. I was just like... One of our people on the business side was like, what's something that we would need all the money up front to do? It was like, I could do a podcast. And that's all they brought to HBO. And Judd and Pete, I guess, had the ability to say yes or no to things. And they said yes to me having a podcast without any premise. And then I came up with a show idea, but that, so that was the first season. And then we like, I was able to convince them to let me do a second season. Then we joined headgum for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's what's that network? Yeah. Headgum's a, ne- a comedy network. Failing headgum. Terrible man. Jesus <laughs> Christ. What, what, what's on this network? Does Shad know about this? Yeah. I mean, you should, uh, Nicole Byers podcast is on it. Doughboys is on it. Um, it's a they, it's, it's a poor man's earwolf. One could say they all have similar names, so they all seem like poor name poor man's versions of Because it's earwolf, headgum, forever dog, all are like similar sounding names. Like maximum fun is another one. Like they all are like two name two two words, multiple syllable, one syllable names. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that spells comedy, but apparently. Apparently, that's yeah, that's for either. like the the wing of comedy that intersects with like comic con type of people you know like there's a mm-hmm. little nerdy collectible virgin bro energy attached to those types of shows yeah opposed to the shows that are on all <laughs> things comedy which is like the bill burr mm-hmm. yeah that's Network. that's the I'm a little set in my ways. I'm not racist, but I'm not not kind of bros. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But not Bill, afraid to let a few fly. Is Bill Burr raking in money and it still sounds like shit? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah, he's raking in money. And so, yeah, it's still, it's so, it's still it's, sounds like shit. It's so cool that it sounds so bad. Because I, I, when I was 
when I was really into um, taking painkillers, I listened to a lot of Bill Burr um, because it was just like something you could just not pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it, it confused me that I liked it. Like I'm not <laughs> supposed to like that. I don't like sports. I don't like Boston. I don't like like I don't like anything that he likes. But for some reason, it's it's good. You like ra- I, you like ranting. That's true. I do like ranting, but it, 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 I have nothing in common with him, and it's very powerful. Do you listen to? Have you consumed his comedy other than the podcast? Uh, I watched a couple of the specials, but you know how I feel about specials. Yes, I know. We've got over this. <laughs> well, I, yeah. th- I think Bill is a really talented comedian that talks about stuff that that we're just not that interested in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. And he's I probably just... like a real cool guy to hang out with. You know, <laughs> I've met. You know, when I met him, because I, I had him on the podcast, and. His non-stage persona is so gentle. I mean, you see it all the time, but he's just sort of like, you hear people talk about him and he's a really sort of, he has a sweet presence, but he just sort of turns it on. Mm. I mean, like, he's in this new, the new Judd Apatow movie and he's like really, really good in it because he gets to just like be, be both the angry guy, but also sort of this like gentle guy who's trying to do his best. What movie is this? It's called Staten Island Summer. It's the oh, Pete God. Davidson oh, yeah. movie. I'm, I'm out. Is, is oh. this the one that Mach- Machine Gun Kelly's in? No. Well, yes and no. So Machine Gun Kelly and Pete <laughs> did a full-on movie together. My friend directed that. Like, Jason Orley directed that. A, fr- a friend's brother directed the other one, I think. Yeah. So that's the movie they're in together. He's at, Machine Gun Kelly has a cameo in this movie, I believe. I don't totally know who Machine Gun Kelly is, but there's a mm. guy who... I could listen to you I, talk about Machine Gun Kelly for <laughs> hours. Him and Pete but, Davidson are the same person, basically. So they just chose different professions. Yeah, so that so he is in the movie a little bit, but mostly it's a Pete Davidson tour de force. <laughs> tour de force. So you're saying this movie does in fact rock? I, I, uh, I love this movie. I was trying to think of how I put it. I thought it was really, really good. I am like sympathetic to Judd Apatow movies, maybe more so than most. But I, I was like, this movie's great. Like, I is it better than This Is Forty? I liked it more than This Is Forty. What this the is Forty. Fuck? Yeah. Damn, that that sends me reeling. Are you guys, Wait, is it is that available for viewing now? Is it is it no. now streaming? No, no. You know he's flexing on us, Jason. Come on. <laughs> oh damn, well, we got the vulture cut. Yeah, yeah he, I got the vulture he, cut. Send me the, the link, got, bro. Hey, he got the screen. He got the watermark screener. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's screeners don't side. exist anymore. Screeners got Corona all over them. The guy has, <laughs> it has my name on it. I got to watch a version of the cut where it says my name over Screw! the. Top. <laughs> that's the best that's the biggest flex i've had that happen to me in my life and it made me feel very good welcome myself. to the big leagues baby so yeah. you're saying this movie is good i liked it a lot it's more of a drama like a, he like not on by like on purpose like i so i got a screener because i interviewed judd and as he described it it's like if his movies are like comedy with amount of drama this movie's a drama with amount of comedy and i was like i think this works I know, like, it seems like people, if they are prone to not liking Pete Davidson, are like, I don't like Pete Davidson still. But if you're like, <laughs> Pete, if you're Pete Davidson curious, I think you're like, yeah, I, you can fuck with this movie. The thing is about Pete Davidson, I feel like he actually is talented, but SNL is not the thing for him. No, but he, that's like, was always the thing with him on SNL, where you're like, why is this guy in this show? And then you're just like watching it. I don't. I feel like they had a qu- quota to fill or something. Like they needed a messy-looking white guy from Staten Island. Like I yeah. don't know why. I, it doesn't really make sense. But I don't know. I mean, I just think I, 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 I just find him. But I guess now he's doing movie. I mean, this is his second movie in the yeah. year, so we'll see how he fares. He has star quality. He's the weirdest-looking guy to have it. Like, but some for whatever reason. Like I remember so, like so distinctly. He's his first episode. 
They introduce him on Weekend Update. No one knows he is. He's a complete unfamous nobody. And everyone cheers like he's like Bill Hader coming back for the show. Like he's, <laughs> he was instantly considered a star. And who knows what that is? I I think he has like um, like like the energy of someone you really want to help. Like he has please help me energy. And I think <laughs> the nation as a whole, we're like we are all going. That's to true. That that that, that that also explains his his success with famous women. I think. Yeah, is, yeah he's had that. sex with so many hot women, and that is, that is Let's hard not forget to hear. I, for, I, I believe the publication you work for actually coined Big Dick Energy. Yeah, I, 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 I yes. Yeah, he has, he has, he has the epitome of Big Dick Energy. He, no, it, it is, is literally based on him. Like, the whole thing is based on him. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because it is the, he's the, it's a curiosity that this guy can keep on doing it. <laughs> that this guy of all guys of all guys well exactly. yeah, him having a big dick is the only reason that makes sense why he's able to do all of this stuff the, you know the way he looks and dresses and the friends he keeps and the interest that he has he should not be this successful in life or with getting girls to have sex with you definitely not but i mean did did he do like did he do comedy shit though? Did he come? <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? Is, is he like? I'm just laughing at the idea that you thought they like literally just found him on the street. Well, no, I just he doesn't. Seem it's like as a guy believable who, as anything. He doesn't seem like a fucking like dorky like improv guy. You know what yes. I mean? But he also doesn't strike me as a guy who's just gonna get some mics. You know, do some open mics tonight. So like, I, I don't know where he would come from. So he started doing stand up at like 15 years old. Like he oh, was, so he's his, ahead. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So he, his mom, like, would take him to, like, perform spots at, like, as a teenager. So he was, like, because he got cast on SNL at, like, 19 years old. Like, he, the thing about him always was, like, I remember before he got cast, comedians would talk about him that they're, like, for some reason, this young person has this sort of perspective of a person much older than him. Like, usually, you know, it's, like, a thing where... I remember people describe Lena Dunham the same way, which is like she's able to just talk about the time she's living in, opposed to like being a thirty-year-old talking about her twenties. She was in her twenties and be able to write about being in her twenties. Mm. And Pete was like, be able to talk with a sort of like wor- world wariness of like a full grown-up when he was seventeen years old. Like he had like strong opinions for when most teenagers like couldn't give one shit about anything. And, and it's like it happens every once in a while. Like Dave Chappelle started stand up when he was like fifteen. Mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy started when he was like 16, Sarah Silverman. Like, for some reason, there's these, like, these, I guess, wonderkins or whatever. But yeah, so he was always known as, like, the young guy who talks like he's also, like, his voice sounds like he's like a 90 year old Jewish that, man. Yes, that's also true. I think that helps that, that whole persona. I mean, I guess that makes sense. I mean, kids start bands at that age, too, but they don't have to be so, you know, um, well spoken because it's yes. a, different, a different medium. But I guess that age is when you start to discover whatever you're going to be into. Yeah. Well, Just, why aren't you? Why aren't you? Why aren't you a comedian, bro? That's my question. <laughs> um, I think he, I, maybe he's just really bad at comedy. I don't know. Yes. Well, I'm not. I you know I. You had to have tried it once, right? I tried it once, but not like you know because there was a while when I first started writing about comedy that people were like you have to do it or you have no ability. Oh to talk yes, about of course. The hater. They, we call those people the haters. Okay, yes, the on haters. This and then I, you know, I, I've written stuff that are comedic and I had a friend would just be like, oh, we'll just try it once. I was going to do this open mic or whatever. So I did it one time 
And I didn't like it. I didn't hate it. I just sort of like, this isn't a thing I need to do where I am of the belief that to be good at stand-up, you have to need to do it. Otherwise, it's too crazy to do it. Like, mm -hmm. the idea to be good at stand-up, you have to do it, like, five times a week, multiple times a night for, like, five years before you're okay at it. Mm -hmm. You have to, like, need it. You, you have to have a need for approval that demands immediate response. Where I have a need for approval that does not need immediate response, it could be delayed or whatever through the internet. <laughs> so what? So <laughs> you, your favorite or like your the type of validation that you get from from writing was was suffice for for you? Yeah, yeah, That's and great. I that that was like if it, it filled me, it fulfilled me enough, and also I'm better at it. Like mm -hmm. I've, I've been thinking about it. Like I've tried to write other stuff, like scripts and and things. I've written like a couple of plays and. Of, like actually during the quarantine, I realized like I am clearly better at the things that society has been rewarding me for doing. Like I have a career as a writer, I have a career as like a writer of criticism or whatever, or hosting, hosting this podcast. I think I could accept to just like that if that's enough, like if I feel like that that's fulfilling enough, I don't feel the need to be like chasing these sort of other things. I don't need mm. to prove to myself that I'm funny enough. Just just you, to, you might you as know. well just double down on what's been working already. Yeah, yeah, and I also think, you know, it's I am of the first generation of people who like comedy who don't feel like they need to become comedians. Like bef before mm -hmm. me, like the the word comedy nerd never existed because basically anyone who was a comedy nerd became a comedian. And it feels like like my like millennials were the first time where people like were allowed to be comedy fans, and that was their relationship to it. And so I'm trying to speak for those people. <laughs> Mm -hmm. The the uh, ah of course yes somebody needs to be the voice yes I'm the voice of this very specific portion of my generation for this underrepresented minority yes um are you are you a big laugher yes that's I I I still laugh especially at live stuff I'll laugh all the time like I I always get nervous I go to live shows if I sit in front so that someone will, will call you know like bad comedians will be like what do you do for a living what do you do for a living mm -hmm. and I'm like oh I'm a comedy critic. But for the most part, I'm able to like, go to shows and get lost in it and just like, I laugh loud, I laugh proud. Um, I feel like I laugh more so now that I appreciate it. I feel like I can laugh at more parts of comedy, but like... I've noticed I that, like, well, I was asking because I've noticed there's not a ton of laughing on the podcast. I might, oh, well... <laughs> is, that, is that intentional it's, it's, or not intentional? It's funny, someone literally just criticized me over DM for laughing too much. Really? Yeah, I think I laugh more now because over Squadcast and the like, I feel like I need to communicate to the comedians they're doing a good job. Mm -hmm. Where I used to be able to like nod and smile more. Mm. Um, Have but, you ever been one of those people that just says that's funny? <laughs> that's the worst. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I feel so bad when I do it because you don't realize you're doing it. And you're like, that's really funny, and that's you really say funny. it, and you're like, oh no. You become like the parody of one of these people. If you say it to somebody else who also says it, then it's fine. They understand. Yeah, that's like, true. Yeah. Takes one to know one for sure. I remember to name drop a story. I was um, I one of the things I do on the side is I um, produce these charity comedy shows with Padma from Top Chef, hmm. and and okay, we'll get into that after this little story. <laughs> I'm, sure. a, I'm a Pad fan. And that wasn't even the name I was dropping. That's the second part of it, <laughs> but. Um, so this Chris, guy. Rock, Chris Rock came by to the first one we did, partly just to watch, I guess. 
but so she he was watching Michelle Wolf's set. Like he was, he's like in the backstage and he was sort of like listening and watching to himself, but then would talk to the room and he would constantly be like, that's funny. That's fun. like, it wasn't sort of laughing, <laughs> but he's like to all of us. And I'd be like, yeah, Chris Rock, she's really good. <laughs> yeah. Chris Rock. She's really funny. You're right. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I agree. Me and you, we, we were both on the same level of this conversation about this is good comedy. Um, so I, maybe he was just fan. on Coke. That's very possible. Yeah. I, I'm not going to. I'm. I can't. I, let's not. Let's not rule it out. You know. I don't want to rule it out. What? What is? How do you know Padma? I so two years ago, Padma got into comedy in a big way. I don't know how it happened. She became. Was, she became comedy. I know. Person. I know how Pete Davidson smashed. Definitely. <laughs> definitely possible. She. It was just sort of like, it seemed like in one week, she followed all of like Brooklyn comedy and including me. And I thought that was, it's weird to follow me because I, I don't think I have, I don't expect anyone to like anything I tweet or be interested in it unless they're into comedy. So she, I, it was me, but she also followed like a lot of up and coming comedians. And just one day I DM'd her with no knowledge of her and no interaction with her. And I was like, would you want to put like put on a comedy show together? It'll be for charity. I'll do all the work. You'll just have to show up and have your name be on it. And she was like, "Yeah, let's get on the phone." And that was it. Damn. The first, like, and then it's basically like I made her an offer that was like too good, like she couldn't refuse because it's like she gets to be part of a comedy show, like. We raised a ton of money. It was super fun. Like it was right after the Louis C.K. stuff, and she was like really anti Louis C.K. for obvious reasons. So she was just like, "Fuck that guy." There are all these more interesting comedians going on. So I was like, "Let's do a show where you get to pick the comedians you like," and that's like that was the premise. And the first time we raised like I think twenty thousand dollars for the New Voter Project, which is like uh, a group that gives money to local organizations to, to do grassroots getting out the vote opposed to like big get out the vote mm-hmm. operations. And then um, we, I can't remember the name of the organization. Next time we raised maybe like $35,000 for like abortion charities. Um, mm-hmm. And they rule the sh- I mean, like I, we want to do another one, but obviously there's no comedy anymore. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Like I don't know her. She just like, was like, yeah, all right, let's do the show. Well, has she ever cooked for you or no? No, we're not there yet. I was thinking if we do maybe two more. Damn, yeah, bro, when come you on. when you showed up to the to the comedy club, did it kind of feel a little bit like a date? Like, did you bring flowers or anything, or what was the energy like between the two of you? It was, you know, it was like we're old friends. I mean, it was sort uh-huh. of like we immediately acted like this was normal. That and maybe that's kind of what it's like to be a person like Padma. Like, I don't know that many people who are famous, but I imagine they take for granted that things just happen around them. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I agree with that a hundred percent. Yes. Like I don't, and like not because if you host a TV show, like all of these things, like the sort of details that make things happen, you can't focus on. Cause that would be like, not your purview. So I imagine she's like, yeah, this is normal. I'm doing this. <laughs> right. Yeah. I just show up. This shit's ready to go. I, I, I do my thing and we leave. Yeah. So it like makes complete sense. And like, She's had so much fun doing like the shows are super long and she stays and watches. And like the thing that I really, really appreciated is she spent 
time with the talent. Like she really was like present and like said hello and talked about how much they liked, liked their comedy. And like that to me was like above and beyond. So we love a pro. We stand a pro. It sounds like she's trying to Chrissy Teigen a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) She's finding it. Trying to get a little chummy, chummy with, with, uh, with the comedy. But that's the beauty of being a celebrity. You can do that. You can yeah. just dip in and dip out of whatever like f- fame adjacent things you would like to, and no one's going to stop you because they're. I mean, you know, like everybody's a fan of hers too. I'm sure it goes both ways for the most part. Yeah, I mean, it was like there was a. Do you remember when Kanye got really into alt comedy? Where you, uh, you mean when he was buddies with Aziz? Yeah, when he was buddies with Aziz, he would go to Largo every night. He was like, God, Zach Alphanakis. Would oh do that yeah! For him, and he took improv classes like that part. Jesus that's, Christ! He took Matt Matt Besser of the UCB Theater taught him one on one improv classes for like a really long time. This is my nightmare. Kanye West taking improv classes is <laughs> is, is actually my nightmare. I didn't know anything could get that. That bad. probably helped him with his preaching, though. That's true. I mean, that's true. It is. It is pivoting to religion makes more sense. Now, I think <laughs> I, it is a gateway in many ways. Like in so much that improv's cult status, it is like that need to believe in something bigger than yourself. Didn't, oh, <laughs> didn't all that shit shut down? Didn't UCB shut? Is it over? It's not over. Over the New York spaces are don't exist anymore. I, they they said they'll reopen them. Who knows? I mean. There was one on my block for a long time, I think, on 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 Avenue A. Oh, the one by the pizza place. Yeah, yeah. Maybe no, Kanye was, could bail them out. Yeah, he should bail them out. I know. They have all these famous friends. They should be like, Kanye, this is your chance of grace. That's, that's my favorite thing when like famous people are tweeting a GoFundMe for like three grand. It's like, dude, just either don't tweet it or give them the money yourself. There's no like in between here. Don't do it. This has been a... This has been a great time for people fucking up though. This whole quarantine, so I guess I, ha- I guess it's it's provided entertainment. So I have to like that. I imagine it's these, these celebrities have. Su- I mean, they're performers and they have such a need to for interaction with the public that they cannot feed. So they're just like tweeting, which is like not their forte. And mm-hmm. the more you put yourself on the internet, the greater risk you have from messing it up. And you're just like, every time, it's like, you'd hope that being famous means you could inoculate yourself from having to generate content. And yet, these, mm-hmm. like, Jessica Chastain's, like, making videos. It's like, you're, like, a very talented person. You're literally, yeah, you're literally, like, an Oscar winner. You don't need to be do you don't need to dip to our level. Like, yeah. you're better than this. I agree. But, I mean, people have nothing to do. I mean, look, I don't, you know what's fucked up in the game? Is we got all these people out here. They can't get a TV show that are actually talented. And we got John Krasinski getting a fat-ass check from CBS for a show he's not even going to host. He sold his show that he hosts, but he is not going to host it when it becomes a network television show. Yeah, man. That's the power that, of being on The Office. Like, that's the office like- now, don't get me wrong. The Office, we have a big debate on this podcast because I fuck with all. I love The Office. And Jason is like, you're an idiot. Um, that's but- not true. I think The Office is fine. And that's I it. I was of the age, I mean, I imagine we're probably all around the same age, where I started writing on the internet where the main opinion was how bad The Office became. Like, mm. that, what, that, I remember this, yes. It was like by, it was like when Park started, everyone would not stop talking about how bad The Office now was. And that's the only thing that people remembered. And then here it comes back and everyone asks like nonstop hits. When it's like after Steve Carell left, we all agreed, I thought that it was like unwatchable. And good for that, I guess. I mean, like, good for John Krasinski, who now gets to be like a superstar. 
But isn't Krasinski, isn't he a little bit of a fucking red guy? Isn't he a little bit, isn't he a little bit Republican? Or is he just like a, is he just like a sympathizer? I think you kind of want him to be a little red. Because he did that, because sh- he did the. If you rock, if, if you rock with Clint Eastwood, you're a little bit right wing. That's mm. my, that's that's my, that's my take on it. I think he's a big like support the troops guy. He just is yeah. on the fringes. I feel like it was it was because was Emily Blunt who was the person who was in the most re- who was in the the whatever his name movie the the Atlanta bombing movie the olympics oh, that movie was bad Richard as a person as a person who lived through that bombing as an, an atlanta <laughs> resident that movie did not do it justice to the story was emily blunt in that movie though no i don't think so uh, Maybe. Think that was Cl- oh it was um olivia wilde yeah but that was an eastwood vehicle yes so that's where i mixed it up because i was like i because remember there's olivia wilde was getting into trouble for being in a movie that was like anti-journalism because her family is famously like members of the press Oh, spotlight. Yes. So, yeah. anyway, so is John Krasinski a Republican? Probably not. But I, th- I think he's, he's probably like more so than you are. Yeah. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. I, I, feel, I feel like, but I think a lot of there's, there's a known cabal of undercover Hollywood Republicans that can't talk about it, you mm-hmm. know? And I think that, you know, the, the, this divisive political time we're living in could push them out of the closet. I just don't like that my girlfriend finds Krasinski to be hot. It's kind of troubling for me. Damn. He is, I mean, he's literally like basic as fuck, but he's generally good looking. Who's the female version of Krasinski, you think? Olivia Wilde. Yeah, check it out. But also, he got really big, right? Yeah. To do that Amazon show, he got huge. You know, the only time I listened to, we've talked about this too, the Dak Shepard podcast was when comedian. Kumail was on talking about getting shredded <laughs> and it was, it was an incredible podcast. I highly recommend it. it I couldn't is, get through it. What do they talk about? If he, did he talk about waxing? No, <laughs> no, but like, that's the thing. That that's I Hollywood's dirty know, little secret. That, that what a twist. <laughs> I just sort of like, can't get over that he has his forearms are curly, hairy as hell. He has a super hairy <laughs> chest, and then it completely like a line stops right at his abs. Mm. You're like that is impossible. Look, I mean, what what I would do the same thing if I were in a position. If the studio had a trainer for me and I was living like that, I would do whatever they told me to do. I mean, yeah, yeah but when I you, uh, I think what he's saying is once you wax one part of your body, you kind of have to wax the whole thing to even it out, or else it just looks wrong. Yeah, I mean, I would call. I would have Warner Brothers get the laser hair removal on the line and do the whole. I'm doing my whole body. I think it's time to have hairy chest representation in American cinema more often. I'm, I'm, I agree with that. I'm glad that you're willing to stand for something, Jason. I, Seth mm-hmm. Rogen, in, I think starting in the Neighbors movies, like regrew his back hair, and, and I was like, this is, this is, this is revolutionary there has it's, not been i would I, say bold is a good way to put that you know he's because, got some nasty ass back hair too because but like if you see him and knocked up nothing and you're like oh he clearly was not allowed to do it but now he has enough clout in hollywood that he's allowed to be his true self like, you know like ben affleck showing his full dragon back piece tattoo <laughs> yes. dude did you see did what are you, you gonna do that? take my millions away did you see the affleck fucking just for mend his beard during quarantine <laughs> really Dude, his beard is fully like black now, 
And he, because he gets paparazzi every single day with this new girlfriend who's like 20. And I don't know what she's in, but they get paparazzi every single day, like every single day with a dog. Uh, mm. And his beard has clearly been just from it. <laughs> That's because I feel like I've seen so much press making a huge deal about the celebrities who are not doing that. Like, because like Kevin Hart's beard is gray or whatever. And, and, but yeah, like, Kevin ben Hart Affleck, looks like Father Time now. He really does look old as hell. It's, um, did you see Juma- the second, his second Jumanji movie? <laughs> no, no, miss that one, bro. Miss that one. Sorry. Did, so, the first Jumanji movie he's in, this is going to relate, I promise. The first Jumanji movie he was in is fantastic. It really is a really good movie. It really works. And the second one works a little bit less. However, so the premise of the first one is they're in a video game, and Kevin Hart is, I believe, playing the avatar of a jock and it's funny because he's short or whatever mm. but but in the second one the avatars get mixed up and now he's doing the avatar of danny glover so he's playing kevin hart as like an old man and it is very funny what <laughs> other it. bad movies do you like i mean i don't know like i think those movies are good so i don't know what to <laughs> say. Was, i'm just kidding. <laughs> Didn't uh, I, okay. I think I saw a preview for for that Jumanji, and I think there was one one character switch that seemed a little like on the borderline of offensive, perhaps. Like it wasn't a full like uh, Tropic Thunder blackface situation, but it was a little a little iffy. Am I wrong? Uh, oh, I'm trying. Where like a white character is doing the voice? I am sure that happened. Uh, <laughs> if I know my Jumanji, I mean Jack Black does a woman. And it is very not nice to how women talk. Um, mm-hmm. But I think generally the you know the movie's in good. Jack Black is over party. Jack yeah. Jack is over party. <laughs> 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 oh well, at least he's moving to voiceover work. He'll probably he can age into that a little better. Yeah. Have I you seen like Have you seen Kevin Hart live in concert? No, and I reg- I wish I have because I the only thing the closest I've seen is I saw his one of his special movies with an audience, like at a premiere. Yeah. And I was like, this is amazing. I watched, <laughs> mm-hmm. I watched his, his self-produced series on, I'm sure it was on Netflix. Cause it'll fucking put out anything. The one oh, the, where, Oh, the doc. Yes. The doc. And I was blown away at his, it's, he's so big. He's so big. And that documentary was insane. It was like, obviously self-produced and just like, kind of pointless but like the fact that i watched half of it made me sad about myself (laughs) he is i mean he's the i mean he's probably the biggest comedian ever by total numbers i mean the only comedians that have sold out football stadiums are him and larry the cable guy and (laughs) i'm going i'm going larry over kevin if i have to choose it's hard don't don't make me choose but i will but but larry i mean like for how big kevin is he could be a much worse comedian like, that's, that's I, I, fair. because like to be that big, you have to sort of be, yeah, you can sure. be bad and be that big, but he like, yeah, who's the, hard. what's the, what's the, the, the guy, the, the Indian comedian, Dwayne or who does oh, stadiums, uh, Russell, Russell Peters, Russell Peters. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's an awful comedian and he's so big. Huge. Yeah. Cause I mean, cause part of it is. A lot of people don't like good comedy because, you know, like they just want the bet. They want a professional person to do the type of jokes they would make to their friends, mm. which like tend to be like kind of racial. Mm. Like, I, like maybe they're racist, but they're just mostly just like about stereotypes. 
and like Russell Peters, like was or is the king of it. I mean, like <laughs> that's like always like sort of who his fan base is. I mean, but you know, so like Kevin is, less, you know, I, I I interviewed Kevin Hart and it was on the set of Jumanji too, which is not why I brought up how good the movie was, but. <laughs> <laughs> he invited in that, me to his trailer. The movie was outstanding. <laughs> it was such a, it was such a funny NDA to have to sign, like because I had to basically say like we took a photo, but we couldn't include his pants because his pants were in the movie. And I'm like, what who the is fuck? this? Who is this imagined Jumanji? <laughs> yeah, that cares fan? that much. Yeah, but I loved it. But Leaked in that pants in- photo on Reddit appears. Yeah. But in that interview, I was like, he's working hard in this interview. Like, he gets that part of the job of being a famous person is to be interesting in interviews. So he, like, tries really hard. It's like, it's mm-hmm. intense. I appreciate it's, that. I, I appreciate that. Because the, the the alternative is, like, a person who's famous and is like, I don't give a shit. I don't need this. But, like, he he... The thing that he doesn't... He talks about a little bit in the documentary. It's a bit like the Taylor Swift documentary. But he also talked about his book, which is sort of like, you know, they don't let people like me be famous that long. Like, he's well aware that, like, society allows, like, black famous people, like, maybe a few years. So he's just, he's, his goal is to, like, create a company that will out, outlast his movie career. So he's just mm-hmm. grinding. Like, he are, wants you to talking, be- are you talking about the Red Cup Boys or what are they called? The <laughs> Solo Cup Boys? Yeah, it's something like that. He's, he's so making it- hay while the sun is shining. Yes. Well, does, yes. does Ch- who has that joke? Is it Chappelle that says, "I remember back in the day when there could only be one famous comedian, one famous black comedian at a time, and now we're living in a, or and now look at us, we can have three. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, while we have you here, I would like to run down a list of other comedians that I have bones to pick with, <laughs> get some inside <laughs> scoop from you. So, so let's start with Chris D'Elia's hair, sure. um, because I find him to be like powerfully offensive. And then I had listened to his podcast a few times. I was like, okay, I get his appeal, but then I watched his special and I couldn't make it through it. And I, I don't, I, is that just not for me or do, or is that not for you either? It's not for me either, but I will say that, you know, he is a, he's, you get to a certain level of comedian and you become a, a, like a, only your persona comedian. Like once you get a fan base who likes you, all they want to do is hang out with you. And like, and yeah. so you're doing the job. Like they're laughing because they find you funny. And the problem is outside of that bubble, if you're not working hard to try to figure out how people outside of your your fan base likes you, then it's going to be you're going to seem like the least funny person in the world because you are confidently being not funny. Mm. But, but that, that makes a lot of sense, actually. So, yeah. Very, so very imagine- insightful. Yeah, that so, is really. You insane. should do this for a living, Chief. I know. <laughs> so to him, it's just like such a sharp contrast because thousands of people a night are like cheering these things he's saying. Mm-hmm. But if you're not those people, you're like, what is he even talking about? I and mean, I, he also wears like Yeezys, which <laughs> I think pushes me over the edge because I don't like when comedians try to get swaggy. Like I feel like that goes against mm-hmm. the entire thing. Yeah, it feels like comedians dressed poorly for a very long time and very recent, like, well, male comedians, but it, really all comedians dress poorly for forever until very recently someone was like, you guys should try to dress better. And then 
none of them have taste for it. Yeah, no, they 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 might be trying, but they are not succeeding. A lot of that, a lot of similarities from my from my career trajectory of of the world of DJing is the same same sort of thing. Like they shouldn't have let these people, you know, figure out that there are designer clothes out there and Lamborghinis and stuff that they could buy because they've they just can't handle it. I'm like I'm just happy comedians now wear jeans that fit. Like sure, we have to start small. I understand. I understand. So that's like that's nice. I mean, but like now is that a Sinbad dig? No, I mean Sinbad. <laughs> I mean, I think okay. if anything, Sinbad get it. Sinbad was like one of the few comedians who genuinely understood fashion in so much as like he knew what he was doing. Like it was bold and attention grabbing, but it wasn't like on accident. Where it feels like True. so many comedians were like. I guess this is what boys mm. wear, so time to <laughs> film myself. <laughs> he really be dressing is what you're saying. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. My my second bone to pick, or not bone to pick, I'm just looking for some insight from sure. the community from the community is is Tosh. Uh because he is he had a hair transplant and no one seems to talk about it. I think the people, And that is insane. I think the pe I have not noticed. I feel like the people that know or care about hair transplants, like the Venn diagram of those people and the Tosh fan Venn diagram apparently is only you. No, no, no. But I'm saying it's like a thing. Like if you go, like basically he was about to get famous and then he was like, all right, let me get a hair transplant. Oh, like before. I mean, but that, I mean, the truth is, I mean, he should talk about it because I think it's interesting. I mean, like, because like Joel McHale will talk about it. Because Joel McHale will talk about getting plugs. He's he's also swole. Yes, but his thing was that every I feel like I don't know if it's still the case, but he say like his main way he's done it is he does a ton of pushups and he doesn't eat like anything. Sick. That's actually that's the how long gone diet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But I think I think that's like the trick of being swole in on TV where it's all proportionate. So like you don't notice like if you saw him in person, he might just come off as skinny. Yeah, Definitely. that's a good point. I forget about the cam. Like, there's only so many people that I feel like that celebrities that get actually big. It's like famous people, um, like like not famous people, like um, people that are going to be Marvel movies, like legitimately put on size. You have to, yeah, you have to. Do you? Did you like Community? Yeah, I feel like I saw you making fun of it, but like I'm the type of person. Like, oh no, I I I don't. I just it's it, it's beyond my. I don't understand. Like I watched it when it was out, and then it got canceled and people cared about it all of a sudden. But yeah. I don't, that also makes me insane about TV in general. Like you clearly didn't watch this shit enough when it was on or it wouldn't have gotten canceled. Yeah. I mean, I, I really, I re I recently had a uh, moderated a panel reunion with them. And so I rewatched all of it. And how I many, it's only, it's like three, se- it's, it's three, six, it's six seasons. So what happened was, damn bro, I hope they're paying you a lot over there, man. <laughs> damn. Six seasons of community. I'm looking for a hundred grand just for that. Like <laughs> off, off rip, off rip. So I, the, the, so what happened was that the third season, they fired the guy that created it, then replaced it with these like two, like, that's Dan that Harmon. Yeah. They fired Dan Harmon. That never goes like, well. Yeah. Replaced with like two regular guys doing their best. And it was just like, not the same show. And then it moved to Yahoo when Yahoo had a streaming service for two years. Jesus. Jesus. So it moved to Yahoo for two years. Um, But in the fifth season, which was on Yahoo, that's when Donald Glover left. Um, Mm. And then he became like the most famous person on earth. 
We're also we're also an anti Donald Glover podcast. So why? Yeah. What did he do to you? Well, he released music, and <laughs> I think that I mean he's one of those guys where people always want to argue with me, and they're always like, "Yeah, but Atlanta," and I'm like, "Yeah, you're right. Atlanta is good, but is Atlanta good enough to t- to make up for all the other stuff? I don't know. I don't know. You know, I I think it is. I don't know. Like, I if you think of his music as a side project. It's too big to be a side project. Well, yeah, I can't. I can't allow that. He's grossing too much. Well, that's right because he played like Madison Square Garden. Yeah, he's huge. I mean, that one fake Prince song is pretty good, but it's like truly a fake Prince. Yeah, song. I think he headlined Coachella one of the days last year or something, didn't he? I, I think that's it's not a side project anymore at that point. Yeah, I think I, I I admire his ability to figure out how to make himself cool, like because he was seen as a nerd because he was on Community and he did improv earnestly he is very good at improv he's he was like known for being good and committed to doing improv and he did these raps and they're like the raps nerds do and people made fun of it for being nerd rap and then somewhere along the way i think it's like he did atlanta and proved himself to be like a genuine artist so it made his music retroactively seem like it was serious and then Mm. somehow it all culminated into being like he can do whatever he wants so he's a fucking scammer, just like I thought. Okay, well, that makes sense. That makes sense. Either that, that, I mean, I, it, the hair and the beard really kind of transformed or, or scammed us, the public, into thinking that he is cool, I suppose. I will say, the other thing was, there was, I don't know if it's, I think it was the Emmys. He wore a brown tuxedo or a brown quarter. Yes, I, be- I believe it was a brown Gucci tuxedo. And it was truly the first time seemingly that a straight man tried at an award show <laughs> and truly from that moment on all straight men started trying like it's oh it was <laughs> you know I, this was an incredible look i have to say it was it was it was velvet and shawl yes. collar which is which is exceptionally cool um damn this yeah. was this was good is and it Cor- Gucci? and Corey wrote an article about it for the style section of the times or something and then I remember immediately after the next award show, you started seeing like the Chris Evanses of the world wearing like colorful tuxedos. Like, oh god ever- damn it, the Hollywood Chris's, my arch nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you what do you think about comedian Cat Williams? <laughs> well, I know Chris is a big fan. He's our I- favorite. Well, Jason put me on. He's the he's the number one comedian of this podcast. I think he's great. He's singular. There's only one Cat Williams. I'll say this. When I was in Atlanta, so I was in Atlanta to interview Kevin Hart on the set of Jumanji. Um, and <laughs> oh, so, we know. We know. We've heard. We've heard. We've heard. So <laughs> the, every Uber was very nice. Every Uber driver was very nice. And they were like, what are you in town for? And I was like, oh, I'm interviewing Kevin Hart. And they're like, that's so cool, blah, blah, blah. And I'd say of the five Uber drivers I got, four immediately after saying it was cool that I was interviewing Kevin Hart were like, "You got to get Cat Williams on your show." Mm. Fire. See that. See, and that's why Atlanta is my hometown mm. because we understand, you know. And you recommended to me um, that Dion Cole special, which I'd actually already watched, and that shit is funny as hell. Yeah, that might that might yeah, be that was the best really good. Netflix thing I've seen in a long time. I really enjoyed that. He was really really funny. Yeah, he's so funny and. It's like he has he's able to do sort of both of like it how do, how do I put it? It's like there is 
like, obviously, like, the southern black comedy scene and just sort of the black comedy scene, which is sort of separate. And from whatever we would just consider the mainstream comedy scene, but, like, people are allowed to do all of it. And I think Dion is the perfect mix of, like, coming from, like, the Chicago black comedy scene in that style that's, like, Lil Rel and Bernie Mac and um, this guy Robin Harris, who's, like, one of my favorite comedians. Um, And then also, like, he worked at Conan, so he's, like, has this, like, weird, goofy, silly side to him. Damn, I didn't know that. That does make more sense, though. Because you're right. He does does seem to be, like, a... A crossover hit. Yes. So I, 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 so as a result, it just makes them an interesting thing to watch. Like you're like, oh, there's not a lot of comedians who've done both these things. So as a result, his sort of voice is just sort of different. Um, and he's, I mean, he's so funny. I have some other questions for you because it's, sure. I, you know, I mean, bro, it seems like you're just submerged in this comedy shit. So <laughs> literally, but, you literally, know, I, that is my thing. I'm not, you know, so like if I feel like watching some comedy, I flip, I put on the office and I'm good to go. But you know. If if you're trying to unwind, what are you doing? What do you, how do you separate yourself from the work? Yeah, are you yeah. are you into music? Like, do you listen to like pavement and cool shit like we do, or are you into more like Donald Glover? Um, be CrossFit. I, are you into I'm CrossFit? So much, <laughs> I'm not into CrossFit. I feel like I listen to what is at this moment the least cool music to listen to, which is like indie rock of the late aughts. Because so you're like, you're banging you're banging MGMT in the whip is what you're telling me. So well not in, like the national <laughs> or TV on the radio or like oh yeah that's cool you're white Michael. so are we bro we get it like Michael. it's fine like, <laughs> yeah, so you're white I because it's like I truly you don't see it coming but you become you 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 just at a certain point you're like I'm just gonna listen to the music I listened to the last time I was with it and it's like I lived in Williamsburg after I graduated from college this was the music I listened to I felt cool and now it's only the music I still listen to. Man, we should have Jason send you a mix so you so can just you, like so you gave branch up. up. Yeah, I, 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 I try a little bit, but not as much. I mean, like I, what I try not to keep up to is like there's so many rappers, and I'm like I'm not going to learn who all these people are because it's just sort of like it's too many. I don't have time for it. Like I'll still listen to things that are like the things that I listen to. Um, I don't think anyone's expecting you to listen to rap. Don't worry. That's so like, true. Yeah, I like, yeah. I was like, I'll like the baby, and that will be the rapper I listen to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like because he was on SNL and he was so weird and funny, and I was like, this guy. I hope he's good. And then I read articles and people were like, he's good at rapping. I was like, thank God I picked a good one. <laughs> because I, he I, is. I, he is unfortunately he is good at rapping, but he's a little bit of a one trick pony. So if you, if, you're, if you dive deep into his catalog, which is like two records at this point, you might be disappointed, but otherwise you're good. Yeah, so it's him and Haim. I've decided those are going to be the two people I like stand publicly. Wow, Haim. Big twist for a white man. Um, I know. But <laughs> we also, we've talked about Haim on this podcast because I also like them, but I can't figure out like, I feel like they're so popular, but they haven't had a hit in a very long time. What, it feels like a lot of their popularity was like they were an indie rock band who was friends with Taylor Swift, but like it never felt like they did anything that themselves to make them pop famous, other than they were like part of that world. No, they just sounded like Wilson Phillips, and it like yeah. worked. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, I think the whole thing is very appealing—the package. That and the Paul Thomas Anderson stuff. Yeah, I watched. You know, I watched a Paul Thomas Anderson movie last night that I'd never seen before. Hard Eight. Oh, the the it's like the original stuff. The pre boogie nights, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm not really a cinephile, but my uh, my girlfriend and I watched it last night, and we both really enjoyed it. Is it good? 
It had Gwyneth Paltrow in it and as a prostitute, to be fair. So that's really up my street. But um, <laughs> it is good. I think it's considered to be really good because it's also like the precursor to Boogie Nights, you know. I got to watch it. Have you ever seen Gwyneth Paltrow in person? Uh, actually, a yes, great I have. Question. <laughs> yes, I have. I, um, I went to the Goop conference two years ago <laughs> and, and wrote about it. And I, did, I saw her present. But... I will see her, you know, once this core lifts, I'm expecting the invite for lunch out in Brentwood pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She is, I saw her once outside of, um, what's that place called? The it, Lincoln, not Lincoln Center, the place by Lincoln Center, uh, Columbus Circle. And she was one of the three most luminescent people I've ever seen in my entire life. Let's hear the list, Jesse. What, what do we got? So it's her, Kate Beckinsale. Yeah. And who I saw... Known co- known comedian diddler Kate Beckinsale, <laughs> and and number one <laughs> number one number one of the bullet was Tay Diggs. Tay Diggs, Tay Diggs looking moisturized. Tay Diggs, I so I used I Tay Diggs should have been the one in Jumanji if you ask me. He was it, it could he didn't look like he was a, he was like floating through the world. I was used to work at William Morris and this was in L A and Ooh. he just walked and he smiled at a group of us assistants and we were like dead. I didn't know that. I didn't Clean up know, on aisle me. I didn't know Tay Diggs. Isn't Tay Diggs like 5'3", though? I, we're sitting down. It's hard to say. I, I would be. I would assume he was short. There's we know no you, way. Were, you William Morris assistants aren't allowed to leave that desk, <laughs> goddammit. So I hope you were sitting down. I hope you had your fucking earpiece on because these calls aren't going to roll themselves. Exactly. I can't so, imagine he's tall. If he's tall, it'd be unfair. That's true. That's what we say about Jason because he's 6'9". Mm-hmm. It's bullshit. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm the white Tay Diggs. Uh, did you work on what did you who did you work on with William Morris whose assistant were you and was it in comedy or was it in music it was in music um because that was like my coming out of college I wanted to work in the music business that's like the only that was my one goal um and I was terrible at it so I started in the mail room here in New York and then they shipped me to Beverly Hills and my first day was the day the merger went through so like a hundred agents were fired um, did you know? Did you know a guy named Ron Opaleski? Yes, that's my shooter. That's my. He was he when I was in the music business. He was he was our agent. Um, he's oh, wow. great. Yeah, yeah. I just remember his name. I don't know if I met because I was so I was like an assistant for a short time in music, but I was really bad at it. I was so bad at everything needed to do that job, um, and I was eventually let go. And the the boss, the bo- the person who hired me, no, the person who asked me to move to LA was like. You're too sensitive to work here, and you're too much of an you're too much of an intellectual to live in Los Angeles. Wow, that's the coolest <laughs> backhanded compliment I've ever heard. Yeah, he's basically like he just called you out. a pussy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like, so, hey, we got to fire you. You're a pussy. Um, sorry, dude. Well, yeah, I mean, you kind of have to be like a you monster. have to have a dash of I'm a monster to work in one of those places and find true success. You know. Yeah, I think it's like Michael Jordan. It's like mm. to be a winner there, you have to be an asshole a little bit. And like, I couldn't, I didn't have the confidence to do it. I would, I would wish I could. I just sort of couldn't pull it off. Couldn't no, pull it off. I don't want and, you. I mean, I don't want you to do that. You're, you're too genuine of heart for that. Yes. But, you know, I found, I found, I found my home. But thank God. Yeah. But yeah, it was a three years of like, I, they should have let me go earlier. I was always bad at it. I was bad at delivering the mail part. <laughs> you spilled you got the you got the coffee orders mixed up constantly yeah there's just like a lot of stuff that 
would be easy for a person with like a normal attention span that I would just sort of like lose track of and do slowly. Like there were just, I would be given these boring tasks that were like, no one thought about how long they would take. So I was like, I could probably spend two months on it. And like I did two (laughs) months on it. Then a person took over for me and did everything in a week and was like, how did you spend two months doing this? I was like, it's because I did other stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I was doing other stuff. Yeah. But I, I credited partly how I was able to get a job at Vulture because like all I did was like read, this was like when Vulture first started. So like all I do was, was like read Vulture obsessively. Well, we, we, we love Vulture on this podcast as, as a New York magazine, you know, uh, I get a check from those guys too. So I contractually have to like, Vulture, shout out to also, Crooked Vox Media for supporting. Yeah. Us. Yeah. Cro- crooked Vox Media. But I do, uh, Vulture is probably my most read vertical. Oh, um, thank you so much. You know, uh, and Just, I, you know, unfortunately I flirted with Vulture when I was supposed to interview Moby after his second book and then he canceled himself. So I'm very <laughs> upset. I'm very upset that I, that I didn't get to meet Moby. I'm sorry. Well, hopefully he'll, he'll come back. Moby's back, baby. Moby's back. He's back. Jason saw him at a hardcore show in Orange County. He's back. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how you know someone's back when they're at a. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, if you, if you weren't on Vulture and, and your podcast was an independent venture of yours, would you go Patreon? I don't know. Like I, I have no sense of how loyal my fans are. <laughs> I kind of, I, I sort of like can't internalize the idea that they exist. They're holding so, on by a thread, Jesse. You know that, right? What? Your fans. they're all like any minute now they're gonna once i have an unfamous person on they're like we're done no i feel like i i i think patreons for people like in my head patreons are for podcasts where it's host driven like i want to hang out with the host i listen to it because of the host talking and my podcast is very much about the guest Mm -hmm. so i it feels like not like patreon isn't the best venue for it where Mm -hmm. it's like the best venue is for the people who, you know, like, and there are, like, the audience that is consistent that I have, but also, you know, I get a large portion of, like, the fans of that person coming to listen to it. So, like... Yeah, so Patreon and, probably not uh, not the best model, but you can then get on the horn and say, like, hey, Lexus, we got Seinfeld on this week. Do you want to give us yes. the bag? Yeah, exactly. That's what I do. Okay. I, so I go, he likes cars, you're a car. <laughs> you're a car. Come on, let's do this deal. That yeah. makes sense, though. We don't we don't like Patreon either. We call it digital panhandling. Um, but it does. I do think you're 100 percent right about who it appeals to. It's like if if it's a cult of personality host, then it absolutely. If you're trying to, the, if you want to fuck the host, and yeah, you, and exactly. You're, and you're a you're a simp for them, then Patreon is perfect for you. Exactly. That's why I the one I subscribe to is the podcast of the people I most want to fuck, which is the <laughs> <laughs> barely. Damn. <laughs> On that note, Jesse, thanks for joining us. That was excellent. Oh, thank, oh, thank you so much for having me. This I, I feel like I learned a lot, and I now have a go-to member of the comedy community when I need to have my questions answered. Sure. If you ever want a recommendation, I'm happy to provide. I generally just ask people to tell me other things they already like, but I, you know, oh, yeah. I want you to- you had an article where you you did like if you like this, then this comedian would be for yeah. you. So you can kind of do like a. A prescribed comedian. Maybe you yes. could do one for Chris on the fly based on what we've been talking to for the last hour. Well, I already recommended him Dion Colt, so I don't know. I'm mm-hmm, trying to think. Mm-hmm. I would if he likes the office. I'll give you a hint. He, he can't be white. Yeah, he can't be white. And I don't he want can't be a she also. <laughs> That's not I mean, true. I'm trying to think of like which black comedians are most like the office. 
this is the information I have. So it's like dead. Except for the literal one black comedian who is on The Office. Oh, Craig. Have you ever seen Craig Robinson stand up? It's so good. I don't know if he still does it. He does the piano shit, right? Yeah, he was. I like on, him a lot. He's his funny. clip on Def Jam. I don't know if he's done it more than once, but I, and like it goes on and off on the internet. But he was on Def Jam, and it was so interesting because the host was like, "Hey, this guy's a bit different, so you're going to really have to listen to him." The audience is sort of skeptical, mm. and he's sort of doing his deadpan shit, and it the audience like laughs, like you can see them trying to figure out how how to laugh in the way they do to this. It's so fascinating. Mm. He's so good. Like the black, uh, you know uh, the black Galifianakis live at the Big Potato or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna check that out. I can, I yeah. can, ch- I'll find that on YouTube. Find that clip. Um, I once wrote an article about it, but I think the clip that I found was lost. I mean, otherwise, it's like, you know, like Hannibal Burrs is probably the most like deadpan, <laughs> not white comedian. Yeah. I've explored, I've explored his catalog before, but I need something new and underground. So let me know when you find some up and coming. You know, I'm more of a, I like to support new talent. Have you watched the Lucas Brothers? Are those the Never got twins? into it. Yeah. I feel they're like I really, have seen that. Their next, whatever they do the next thing, next will be like, they, I mean, they're the headiest freaking guys on earth. But they, they whatever their next thing will be like really, really interesting. Mm. Okay. All smart, right. I, smart money is on the Lucas Brothers. I heard, yes. it, I heard it from an insider. Um, tell them where to find you online and how to listen to the pod. Sure. It's at Jesse David Fox on all social and then Good One Podcast wherever you stream podcasts. We have famous comedians on. They play a clip of a joke or a scene and uh, we talk about how they wrote it and why they wrote it. Great. Great. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Um, stay safe up there. Wear a mask. Uh, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you soon. Later. Later. Bye. Bye.